Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Chris Clow, editor with Reverse Mortgage Daily and HW Media. And on today's edition of Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by reporter Brooklyn Hahn, who's going to be talking to us about a wide-ranging expose for the National Association of Realtors that recently appeared in the New York Times, a series of different lawsuits that are impacting the mortgage business, as well as a recent illegal mortgage kickback settlement from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Before we jump in, though, here is a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how does SafeCheck work? Hey, Sarah, how are you? So I would say first, you know, SafeCheck is allowing uh, LOs to give their bars peace of mind. So I'd start there. You know, trigger leads have become a very large issue, not just in the mortgage space, but in any time someone's getting any type of credit. So we created SafeCheck to help prevent kind of that um, aggravation and nuance of receiving, you know, tens, twenties, hundreds of calls that consumers receive. So what happens with SafeCheck is any LO who uses UWM, it's an exclusive product SafeCheck is to UWM, they would be able to either pull a single or tri-merge soft pool credit report. And while that credit report is being used to run AUS, they will have time to opt their consumer out of any solicitations and then therefore they will not receive all of those annoying calls and annoying solicitations. And that is also a big benefit because the, the cost of the credit bureau is much cheaper by leveraging SafeCheck. So it really is a win um, for LOs and it's obviously a win for consumers who they don't receive so many phone calls um, offering all different types of products and services. I can see how that could be a game changer. Thank you, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. Brooklyn, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join us on HWD today. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So uh, the first thing that I think we should uh, tackle here, there was over the weekend a pretty sprawling article from the New York Times that was focused on the National Association of Realtors. What can you tell me about your understanding of the situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We had kind of known that there was this investigation going on by the New York Times into the National Association of Realtors looking at uh, various sexual harassment allegations um, against different leaders and former leaders within the organization, as well as the current National Association of Realtors president, um, Kenny Parcell. And basically what happened is New York Times interviewed 29 employees and former leaders and former employees of uh, NAR and found widespread claims of sexual harassment against um, Kenny Parcell as as well as other former NAR leaders. And 
you know, allegations include things like, you know, Parcel put his hands down his pants in front of an employee, texted employees a picture of his crotch, retaliated after a female employee ended a consensual relationship with him. So a lot of allegations, stuff doesn't look good. In addition to these sexual harassment allegations, some of the women that came forward and spoke with the New York Times also you know, described a culture of fear at NAR in terms of, you know, what may happen to them and their positions and their jobs and their their futures with the organization if they came forward. Um, and they described a lot of, you know, quote unquote, predatory behavior by Parcel and others uh, in leadership positions at the organization. And, you know, we had seen earlier this summer, um, in late June, there was a lawsuit filed in federal court, um, a, you know, alleging of sexual and racial discrimination by a former NAR employee, Janelle Brevard. Um, and, you know, within a few, within like nine days, this lawsuit was pulled. And in the New York Times articles, it said that some of her legal counsel said that it was not because of kind of a lack of evidence on the, her part or anyone's part that they pulled this lawsuit. It was just intimidation and what may happen going up against such a monolithic organization. I mean, NAR has over 100 or 1.5 million dues paying members. The organization is over 100 years old. And so it's, it's a massive organization and a massive opponent to go up against. And so far, the organization has you know, denied the claims. Kenny Barcella has denied the claims as well. They are saying that they are, you know, have looked into these allegations and these complaints that have been filed, even though some of the pe- women that came forward to spoke, speak with the New York Times, um, you know, said that the uh, their complaints and things were not looked into. Um, so it's kind of feels a bit of he said, she said right now. These investigations and things are ongoing. I'm uh, hoping that the National Association of Realtors is taking these claims and things uh, seriously. You know, 29 people coming forward is is substantial and definitely deserves to be looked into further. You know, on social media, a lot of people are displeased with the National Association of Realtors, and understandably so, if these allegations are true. I've gotten comments from National Association of Realtors saying that they, you know, don't tolerate discrimination, harassment, or retaliation, um, and that, you know, any incident is one too many. But, you know, this is kind of a developing situation and you know we'll definitely be following it as it plays out. Sure, yeah. Um my understanding is that Parcel and the organization itself are certainly no strangers to uh to, you know, these kinds of reports necessarily or just reports generally about maybe if maybe it's discord within the association or uh, or just some other kind of criticism that people bring forward based on the way that the parties have responded to these kinds of things in the past. How do you expect uh, their response is going to go to something like this? Um, you know, so far the response has been that they're looking into it. They deny the claims um, and that they, you know, don't tolerate the type of behavior that's been alleged within 
the article um, and they're taking it very seriously. You know, obviously we'd love to take their word on that, um, but will their actions speak louder than words as it does with everybody? And, you know, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, certainly. Well, um, there's plenty more going on in the newsroom, including a series of uh, lawsuits that have been impacting the beats that you cover. What can you tell me about those? Absolutely. So there are several different lawsuits right now that the real estate industry is facing. And National Association of Realtors is, of course, dealing with everything that was kind of uncovered and discussed in the New York Times expose. But it also is facing a bunch, well, it's facing two lawsuits uh, that both are class action um, dealing with the buyer broker commissions um, and how buyer brokers are compensated. And one of those um, lawsuits, the smaller of the two, the Sitzer Burnett, which is filed in Missouri, um, is scheduled to head to trial in October. And then it's also facing an investigation and an appeal of uh, an outcome from earlier this year. Uh, from the Department of Justice, which was looking into National Association of Realtors participation rule, which has to do with uh, in order to list a property on the MLS or a realtor affiliated MLS, a buyer broker must or a listing broker must offer compensation to a buyer broker, as well as the clear cooperation policy, which has to do with pocket listings. Um, and how long you're allowed to advertise a listing before uh, putting it up on the MLS. And it's, you know, you have 24 hour, 24 hours or one business day in order to put a listing on the MLS after starting to advertise it. One lawsuit that National Association of Realtors uh, is currently no longer involved with is a lawsuit filed by Rex Real Estate um, against both National Association of Realtors and Zillow. And in a summary judgment um, about a week ago, the judge in the case dismissed the antitrust claims uh, that Rex had brought against Zillow and NAR. Um, the main issue for Rex in that lawsuit is a two-tab uh, design that Zillow used in their uh, website. They, they relaunched their website or redesigned their website and had a two-tab design, one with realtor-listed properties, and then they had a quote-unquote other listings tab. And Rex contends that uh, in some markets, their listings were listed by real estate agents, yet they were still listed under the other tab. The The judge dismissed the antitrust claim that uh, NAR and Zillow kind of conspirated together to keep the realtor uh, and agent listed properties separate from the Rex properties. And so that was definitely a bit of a win for NAR. Zillow, of course, is still embroiled in that lawsuit. And, you know, it's the really big, interesting nugget in all of these is the buyer broker commission side of things. 
Um, and that is kind of at the crux of the DOJ investigation, as well as the Sitzer Burnett case I mentioned. Um, the Mueller lawsuit, which is expected to head to trial in early 2024, um, and the Nozilek lawsuit, which NAR is not involved in, but all of the major uh, national brokerages, so Home Services of America, Anywhere, which is formerly Realogy and is listed as Realogy on court documents, Remax, Keller Williams, they're all um, implicated in these lawsuits. And, you know, the the Sitzer Burnett lawsuit, it's potentially a $4 billion payout. And the moral lawsuit is a potentially a $40 billion payout. And that could, you know, have massive impact on all of these major brokerages. And, you know, of course, regardless of who wins the first round, it'll definitely go to appeal. And, you know, I, I expect to be covering these lawsuits potentially for like for the next decade. So it's not going anywhere. But, you know, it. I feel like there'll definitely be some changes within the industry as these things play out. I mean, we already saw Bright MLS uh, lower what the um, commission threshold to zero dollars. You're allowed to offer a zero dollar commission. Um, and that was, you know, before I think it was like one cent. So it was kind of a symbolic change, but at the same time, it has big implications for potentially where all of this is going. You know, you, you spend a lot of time talking to real estate professionals, and I'm sure that they're also keeping track of a lot of these uh, maneuverings and developments in these legal cases involving the association and some of their other companies. How do these things impact uh, the morale of the industry when you talk to sources? They're definitely a bit wary of what may happen. Most people in the industry feel pretty confident that things will work out in their favor, but people are also prepared to see, you know, fewer real estate agents because, you know, maybe people no longer use buyer brokers to purchase a home. And there, you know, we've also seen, you know, listing portals like Zillow, which have relied heavily on, you know, providing buy side leads to, you know, working with Open Door to kind of provide those sell side leads and things like that. And, um, you know, so people are definitely shifting strategy and kind of preparing for this, but there's still, you know, I, I spoke with Katie Johnson, chief legal counsel at um, NAR last week, and she was saying that they, you know, have a cautious optimism. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. As I said, this is going to be a long road ahead of us, but um, there at least people, there's pretty decent morale um, and, you know, people are being creative and looking for ways to kind of adapt, um, you know, where they may need to potentially in the future so it doesn't catch them off guard completely. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for the overview. It's much appreciated. And we're, we're glad that, uh, that you're on the case for us, keeping an eye out on these things. Um, last thing that, uh, that I was planning on talking with you about, this is a little bit older. The CFPB recently fined Freedom Mortgage and Realty Connect nearly $2 million for uh, illegal kickbacks. What can you tell me about your understanding of this case? This was really interesting. And as a bit of a RESPA nerd, a Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act nerd, um, this was this was a big, exciting deal. This was the CFPB's 
first RESPA enforcement action in nearly six years. And, you know, this investigation kind of goes back. uh, There's not really an official answer, but what I'm hearing from people in the industry is somewhere between three or five years ago is when this started. So, um, you know, obviously RESPA didn't completely slip the CFPB's mind as some people thought it may have uh, for a while there. But basically what happened is Freedom Mortgage was paying Realty Connect, um, which is a real estate brokerage in Long Island, for getting leads basically for loan origination. And they were doing it kind of under the guise of marketing service agreements, which are allowed under RESPA. But with these, the amount of money exchanged has to be of fair value for what, uh, you know, the real estate agent or brokerage is providing the LO or the mortgage lender. So, you know, if the real estate agent is running a print ad and the mortgage lender uh, gets, you know, one quarter of the page to advertise their services, then the amount of money exchanged between the mortgage lender or the LO and the real estate agent or brokerage should be, you know, a quarter of the total cost of the ad. Um, and so what was going on in this is they were getting kind of like a blanket monthly fee and there was not really any record of um, the, the marketing services that were happening between uh, the real estate brokerage and Freedom Mortgage. And so, yeah, uh, Freedom Mortgage ended up with a $1.75 million penalty that it had to pay in the CFPB's victim relief fund. And uh, Realty Connect was given a $200,000 penalty. And both parties were, you know, ordered to uh, cease their illegal activities immediately. And in talking with some LOs. Apparently, there's a lot of mortgage kickback schemes going on right now. Um, and, you know, they're expecting to see some more enforcement action going forward, whether it's from the CFPB or state regulators. Um, you know, things are, people are expecting there to be more of this in the future because apparently there are a lot of mortgage kickback schemes out there right now. Um, you know, in talking with RESPA attorneys and professionals in the field, um, you know, obviously the housing market has slowed down. Many people are kind of desperate for leads as well as looking for alternative sources of revenue. Um, so it makes sense that, you know, why we might be seeing more of these. And then as well, you know, we haven't seen the enforcement action um, really in the past few years. And so with RESPA, there definitely is some gray area. I mean, a mortgage kickback or a kickback in general um, is is definitely a no. And a lot of people know that, um, or at least I would hope they do. But with the lack of enforcement, um, you know, people are a little bit more willing to kind of push the boundaries and try some things and think they might not be the ones that will get caught. Um, And, you know, I guess time will tell if they end up getting caught. Yeah, uh, I, I would assume so. Um, why do you think there has been such a lack of respite enforcement over the past several years? Because, I mean, as you just alluded to, 
some people might feel like they could have gotten license to potentially uh, uh, flout rules related to RESPA. So, you know, where does this resurgence uh, and interest in RESPA, at least in this case, come from? And yeah, do you think that we could be seeing more stuff uh, like this from the CFPB specifically? In talking with a lot of people that are, you know, well acquainted with this industry and well acquainted with RESPA, um, it kind of goes in and out with depending on who's in charge of the CFPB and what their interest is and their interpretation of RESPA. Um, And, you know, some directors of the CFPB have taken a really high interest in this and cracked down, you know, uh, on RESPA violations and things like that, whereas others have focused their attention on, you know, other consumer finance protection issues. Um, and it, you know, appears that there may be some more interest right now in RESPA. Um, in, uh, you know, I cover title insurance industry as well. And um, the title insurance industry uh, has been a bit on edge lately because there has been an increased interest in some of the joint ventures and affiliated business agreements that some title agents or title firms have with uh, real estate brokerages and uh, even real estate teams, as we've seen some of these teams become really large um, and influential as well. Um, And, you know, they're, they're expecting to see some uh, potential state regulator enforcement action on some of these joint ventures and title ABAs. So I think there's going to be a lot happening in the next couple of months in the kind of RESPA space, whether it's with the CFPB or state regulators. And I mean, on a state level, RESPA is the the floor of the regulation. So some states just have RESPA as kind of their, that's the rule. And some states have a higher level of regulation with more nuances. Um, And so in those states, obviously, we might see more action uh, and more enforcement actions and or at least investigations happening. So I don't necessarily know 100% on the mortgage side of things, but I know at least on the title side of things, we're expecting to see more enforcement action. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you for the overview. Much appreciated. Um, In terms of the things that you're working on now, uh, is there any indication you can give us about what people might be able to look forward to in terms of your coverage? Sure. So I am working on uh, stories kind of uh, that deal with um, the commission lawsuits. I've teamed up with Connie Kim, one of our mortgage reporters in the newsroom. We are working on a story about how a outcome within the commission lawsuits that is unfavorable to the real estate industry, how that will impact the relationship between real estate agents and lenders and LOs. Um, obviously, a lot of Agents have their preferred lender or preferred LO um, or, you know, a few obviously that they will give as recommendations to their home buyers and, you know, what that referral pipeline will look like potentially moving forward and how, um, you know, LOs and mortgage lenders are potentially preparing to be, you know, more consumer facing and having to kind of be the the face of the transaction um, if, real estate agents or buyer brokers are not kind of the first point of human contact um, for a home buyer's journey. Um, So that's been really interesting. I've also been working with one of our other mortgage reporters, uh, 
Flavia Ferlan Nunez on uh, a story about mortgage kickbacks and, you know, what a, you know, increase in state regulator or CFPB activity and enforcement actions could mean for, you know, the housing market and all parts of the real estate industry. You know, we see more of these enforcement actions. Um, And then I am also working on a story by myself about um, the increased interest by state regulators and uh, into some of these title joint ventures. So I'm doing a lot with the RESPA and the commission lawsuits at the moment. Great. Well, uh, I'm sure that we'll all be looking forward to seeing all that coverage coming down the pike. But Brooklyn, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be on HWD today. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.